0: hello and welcome to the peaceful world schooling podcast where we're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes my name is angela Harders, and i'm a special education teacher gentle parenting author and proud world schooling mother to two amazing children sophia who you met last episode she's seven years old and my son benjamin who is three Today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of interviewing another incredible teacher who has now become a dear friend, uh, Ms. Brenda Diaz. Brenda is a social studies teacher in Montgomery County, Maryland, with a passion for American history, Latin American history, and government. Her academic career began at Georgetown University, upon which after graduation, she applied her love of learning as a Spanish language teacher and Spanish language coordinator at a private school in D.C. After her daughters were born, she decided to become a homemaker to her three beautiful girls, Josephine, age 17, Julia Christine, 13, and Kara, and who is six years old. Brenda believes strongly in medical, religious, and educational freedom, just like me, and now she is fighting to maintain these God-given, natural-born rights in the greater Washington, D.C. area. So thank you so much, Brenda, for being with me on the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Okay, so before we get started, I just um, was wondering if you might be interested in sharing with everyone how we met So
1: (laughs) Angela, you know, uh, the way you popped onto the scene with MCPS, um, and all of that. And as I didn't know about you when you came onto the scene, but we were basically, uh, on similar paths, you just decided to step up, (laughs) um, and 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 it took a really big stand, right, uh, publicly in front of everyone. And so, right around the time you know where school when the school year began, um, I had actually spent my entire summer. I'm going to back go up back a little bit. I had spent the summer really conflicted about going back into the school building, knowing that we were going to face um, some serious obstacles. Uh, with possibly a mask mandate being put in place, forced testing being put in place, and a vaccine mandate being put in place. I was looking at events going on around the world and knowing that that was something that was very likely that was going to take place here in Montgomery County, Maryland with our students and with us teachers. And so I was just struggling the entire summer over that, about what to do if Montgomery County decided to take that stand. Of course, we know that they did, And so pre-service week, I basically spent the entire week crying at my desk, um, feeling like the investment, the time and energy that I put into being a public education teacher was now coming to an abrupt end against my own will. Um, So I spent the week crying. And then I think I was scrolling on my Facebook. You know how you scroll to kind of <laughs> like not deal with the world. So I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Yep. And then the Young Republic, it's like a Young Republican event popped up on my Facebook. And I was like, what? That's funny. And then I looked on it and I was like, it says Rockville. I'm Republicans in Rockville. What?" <laughs> so I click on it and then the rally comes up with you as one of the main speakers. Clicked on your profile, saw all that you had done, and was like, oh, my God, I'm not alone. And not only that, someone was brave enough to put themselves out there like that. So I, was, I, I just, I remember reaching out to you being like, I cannot believe I found you. Like what you know, I, I, it gave me actually, when I found you, it gave me chills. I remember I just instantly felt like I got goosebumps. I got like a chill up my spine. I was like, this is, this is where I need to go. I reached out to you. I went to your, I went to the church that you attend that Sunday, the conversations that I had with the people there with you, um, really set me on my path of being a person of integrity Mm -hmm. and standing for what I know is right. Not even what I believe. I don't want to even use the word believe for what I know is right, which is academic freedom, educational freedom, medical freedom, and religious freedom. So I walked in the first day. Um, well, that's, that's the whole thing, but that's how we met, right? Like just hearing your story and being like, okay, I can do this. Someone else did it. I can do it too. Um, Yeah. So it was, it was a very sudden, you know, (laughs) introduction, but very necessary. I very necessary.
0: And now I'm, you know, it's. um, And I remember seeing you, I remember Uh, seeing you meeting you for the first time at church and just being able to talk and share about our similar experiences and our similar feelings and, and just knowing in our gut that, you know, at the end it wasn't about the masks, you know, it was never about the masks. It's about yeah. the control and the force and the coercion and the threats. And we could see all these things that were going to be coming down the line. And, um, and I remember just seeing kind of that internal conflict in you, but it you had such resolve and such conviction that, that you knew, like you knew the right thing to do. And, um, so would you mind sharing with us about what that was like when you finally decided to, to take that stand, um, and, and not just stay with the belief of what you know is right, but you took actions that were consistent with that belief. Right. So I, I, oh God. So that
1: first week of school, I went in and, it's like, how am I going to even present myself to my students? That was a really big deal for me. Like, I can't just come in without a mask on and teaching as if, as if, you know, because that was definitely an anomaly in the building, okay? Daring to even teach without a mask on. Like, I knew that that was going to be something that everyone in my, all of my students were going to see, that they were going to notice. So I had to make, I had to talk to them about it in a way that focused on freedom and focused on love Um, without getting into the politics, without getting into any of that. And so the week started off with um, me walking into the building. Well, this is my little protest. I never actually, I actually have never worn a real mask in the building. I've only worn just a very thin scarf around my face, just it was like my little like, no, you're not making me wear a mask. I'm just going <laughs> to wear this little thing on my face that was very see through. So I walked into the building with that on my face the first day, had my quotes in the board talking about um, you are beautiful, you are powerful, you are free, you are loved, you know, talking to my students about the patterns that we were going going to see because this year they assigned me modern world history so I went into we are going to study the patterns because Mm. if you study the patterns you will see that they are trying to take away your love they are trying to take away your freedom they are trying to take away your beauty they are trying to take away your power let's analyze that from this lens we're going to look at history from that lens of beauty power love and freedom my students were like holy smokes. And I'm like, and this is why I'm in front of you right now. The anomaly in the building. That was day one. And my students were like, what did we just walk into? But they loved it. And you could feel the energy. Like it was like, It was unfortunately because when you're masked, you can't see people's reactions. But as as teachers, we work with energy. I really believe in this. We work with energy. We have to be able to like motivate and flow the energy a certain way, but I could feel the energy rise. I could Mm -hmm. feel it and I was like, oh, this is good. Um, Second day I went in, same thing. Um, I don't really remember the order of events. I think it was on Wednesday when I had my first confrontation with a teacher and Wednesday was the day that I decided that I wasn't just going to walk in unmasked in my classroom,
0: but mm. that I was going
1: to be unmasked in the hallways. Wow.
0: Um, how did you, what made you come to that decision? I felt like I needed to be consistent. Hmm. Um, so what happened when you when you walked into your building without a mask? <laughs> you know what's
1: funny is that when I walked into the, so I, that was when I kind of started my lipstick rebellion, right? My red lipstick rebellion. I walked in, <laughs> no mask on my face, security guard right there good morning good morning and just went up the steps and smiled hello and just happy and free right walking in the hallways a little nervous because everyone was seeing me obviously i'm once again like the one who stands out in the building and now i've got this red lipstick on my face really standing out right with the smile Yeah. yeah um and and it was okay but then you know, I managed to make it to my to my classroom without any type of confrontation, not even from my para, um, which, which I thought I was gonna get and I didn't. Um, but it was during my free period when I was walking down the hallway um, to go to the bathroom that a teacher in my department saw me, followed me as I went into the bathroom, I closed the door, she stayed there, I did my business, came out, and she was right, like literally right there waiting for me. Class had already wow. started. She was supposed to be in the classroom teaching. Okay, so she had waited for me to come out, in front of me about the mask issue. Um, you know, I'm not one to uh, be quiet. So, I mean, I, I saw the confrontation and I saw the aggression on her part. She was literally, it was, you know, where's your mask, Brenda, you know, but very loud and very much in my face. And I trying to avoid the confrontation, direct confrontation. Mm -hmm. I went, I booked it to the social studies office and said, I don't even remember it like word for word anymore, but just dismissed her outright, just dismissed her and told her, you know what you can do. Um, And of course she reported me to the principal. And from there I had, um, a conversation with the assistant principal. I took the next day off. I took Thursday off because I was in so much stress and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and Thursday I made the decision that I was going to walk in on Friday knowing that it was going to be my last day because I was going to be consistent all the way yeah. again. And I knew Friday was going to be it. Um, so I decided to do my hair. I decided to pull out my favorite teacher dress. I decided to pull out my black high heels, decided to put on my red lipstick, and went into the building ready to go. If I was going to be walked out, I was going to be walked out in class. I was going to be walked out in style. Yeah. And they were going to see me for who I am. Done. So that was it. I was walked out. Um, I mean, there were. I was yelled at again by another co-worker, you know, my assistant principal. Mm-hmm it went over her head. I'm assuming my, uh, principal was like, I'm not here to have any type of philosophical conversations with you. So there was never really an opportunity to talk about my stance in any type of significant way with any of my coworkers. I was just being yeah. shot down. Yeah. Um, and that was it. I mean, that was, that was it. That's,
0: how did you feel when you were walking out of the building on that Friday?
1: So it's interesting because, Um, As the week progressed and as as I walked more and more in integrity, um, despite the confrontations that I had, I felt more and more free. Mm. I felt more and more at peace. So but by the time the assistant principal came into my classroom, I knew exactly what was going to take place. And I was in complete peace. It was it was. You know, the first, you know, during pre, I'm going to contrast it this way, you know, during pre-service week, it was waves of stress going over my body mm-hmm. to the point that I felt like I was going to faint. And this is also during the first week of school too, you know, because I wasn't walking completely in integrity at yeah. that point. Okay. Um, Like the first day and during pre-service week, it was like waves of stress and I could feel it just coursing through my nervous system. It was, it was probably the most intense experience I had ever had physically. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never, it it was very powerful, but then the opposite happened when I walked out of the building. I thought it's like, I thought I was going to cry. I thought I was going to, I thought it was going to be like this dramatic event in my life. And instead what happened was peace. Yes. And she, like, as if, as if, as if I was being blessed, anointed with peace yeah. throughout my body. And I, I was not afraid. Um, there was no fear. I was just peace, you know? I
0: love that. I remember mm-hmm. when I, when I was escorted out of the building myself, that was probably one of the most surprising things for me. Because just like you, I felt like I was going to be really. Nervous and anxious and fearful, and everything. And I just remember stepping foot outside of the building and saying to myself, I'm free, I'm free. And it was literally just like you described it like this wave of peace just completely came over me. And I knew that I was walking in integrity, I knew that I was walking in obedience to God. And it was, it was a peace that, you know, like the Bible talks about a peace that passes all understanding like that. I don't know how to describe it any other way you know, just that, that peace and complete freedom, um, from that comes from walking in integrity. So that's really cool. I love that you were able to experience that, that same thing in comparison to that contrast that you felt the week earlier.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Yes. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I wonder about the
1: teachers now who are in the school building and who are struggling with, um, You know all of these medical mandates, right? Who are not in agreement with these medical mandates and are still choosing to. Before
0: before we go into that, I just want to make sure to update everyone. Um, So ever since um, Brendan and I have have been placed on administrative leave, so you're now on administrative leave. Um, Brenda and I were both placed on administrative leave, but since then, our county has actually taken an even stronger stance, whereas before they said um, teachers could either be vaccinated or they could opt out and get weekly testing, which um, that was not acceptable to either Brenda or me, Um but that was an option, but now their stance is even stronger to the point that they're saying that they're not honoring religious exemptions at all. Um, They're not accepting religious exemptions. So so now there are hundreds of teachers that are in the county that are being threatened with uh, losing their jobs, losing their careers, losing their pensions in just a few weeks if they do not comply and get get the vaccine. So, that's where we're right now. Um, but sorry, go ahead and continue with what you were saying about you know, the other teachers now that are still in this system of force and threats and coercion. Right,
1: exactly. So I wonder, because I, I wonder about the stress that that's, indu- that that's putting on their bodies. I, I wonder oh, about it. Sure. We know, we know that before, I, it's funny, I used to joke around, you know, I would say, you know, being a teacher in Montgomery County, is like being in an abusive relationship. It's toxic. <laughs> like literally, I used to say this. I'm like, it. it you know, I would say this is em- emotionally abusive. This is psychologically abusive. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and I would say this, like, you know, and people would like, ha ha ha. And it was a joke. I, I didn't. I said it like halfway serious, but really understanding the dynamics of the school system. Okay. Right. And so then, and then when these mandates came out, I was like. Now these people are trying to physically abuse me. Holy smokes. <laughs> you know, I'm like, wait, time out. Like, I can handle the emotional abuse by not participate by understanding that you're gaslighting me. Right. You know, like I, I can handle that and I know how to like engage in self-care. You know, I know how to engage in boundaries. So you're not gonna emotionally abuse me. So like I took that stand, right? And like you're not gonna psychologically abuse me because I can identify all of these crazy tactics that you're yes. that's that MCP was putting in place right so because so i felt like more and more powerful over time as a teacher but then when they try to come out with these medical mandates i was like time out (laughs) like now like i said now you're trying to like actually physically abuse me and the only way that you can stop physical abuse is by leaving
0: yes yes it's so i love that you said that because you know, you're talking about being in the school system, how it was a toxic environment. And um, and I don't know if I share with you, I started writing a book, actually four years ago, I started writing a book called Toxic Teaching. And I had written maybe like, the, I've written like the introduction and like half of the first chapter. And I just felt like I needed to like set it aside. So I started this book four years ago, um, set it aside. And then when all of this happened, I just felt like now is the time to sh- the world needs to know. And so the book is actually called toxic teaching and it's based on that power and control wheel. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm familiar. So, so for people who've been in domestic violence situations, they actually have this thing called a power and control wheel where, um, where they talk about the different dynamics of abuse and in particular of emotional abuse. And they talk about force, threats, intimidation, coercion, gaslighting, um, all of these things that you just mentioned, Brenda. and and as I was reading this power and control wheel, thinking about, oh, hold on one second. Did they leave? Uh, yes, one second. Sophia, can you um, you need to go back in your room so you can rest because you're 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 not <laughs> right now. Um, please, yeah. okay. Hold on, pause. yeah. Okay, so sorry for that brief interruption, um, but we anyway. So we we're talking about the power and control wheel, and how um, how it talks about you know in domestic violence situations that there is. Um, there are these different elements that help to identify, you know, domestic uh, violence situations. And uh, we talked about force control, threats, coercion, gaslighting, like you mentioned, manipulation, um, isolation, you know, all these different things. And so anyway, so I've been working on writing that book and actually I'm hoping to have it published by the end of the month. Um, So that's my goal, but, um, but it's, it's, it's so important for, for parents and teachers to realize like, we're talking about these things that we're experiencing this kind of uh, abuse within the school systems as teachers and this toxic environment as teachers. But I think it's important for people to know that it doesn't just affect teachers. Like this is also something that is directly affecting students. Like there is, there is an abuse that is happening within the school system that is, that is aimed at our children. Um, well, you know what's interesting, and I'm happy that you bring that up because when uh,
1: my eldest, Josephine, she, I mean, I, she's always been a writer. She she started writing very little, very young, and in fourth grade, she had this vision of writing a novel, like a. Um, you know, about different, like, um, civilizations, you know, galactic civilizations, like kind of like a Star Wars type of thing, you know, going into war with each other. And she had each book planned out and she had started writing and all of this stuff. And I was like, wow, my kid, you know, I I mean, and I, I, when I was a, when I was a little girl, you know, I, I also loved writing and I also wrote my own little books, you know, and so to see my, my, my eldest, you know, Josephine just go into the same things again. And I was like, oh, you know, and she was like passionate about like Egyptian mythology and Greek mythology. And she was taking all of the stuff that she was learning about these characters and applying the characteristics to her own characters. I mean, she was creating entire worlds. So I saw my kid and I was like, this is when I still was working in the public education paradigm, living in that system and that mentality. I thought, I need to push my kid. I need to get her in one of these, you know, magnet programs because they're going to see her talent Mm -hmm. and they're going to grow it. No. No. The exact opposite took place. Oh, wow. What they did was put deadlines on my kid. And I understand deadlines are important, but they put deadlines on my kid with punishments in place Mm -hmm. that eventually caused her so much anxiety that she stopped writing of her own accord. Like, she just was like, I cannot continue. She wouldn't, she was like, I don't want to write for anyone. I don't want to even write for myself. Mm. And that's the abuse that I'm talking about, right? That's the abuse that I'm talking about. Someone who was so passionate about writing Mm -hmm. now she had been forced forcibly divorced from it. Like, like, th- like that light that she had is, and I'm not saying that she doesn't have that light anymore, but for writing, it's like, I'm like, mama, you know, why don't you think about, you know, um, starting your own career? We, I can, I can show you different ways that you can start into writing in, in your own way, you know, you can write your own book. Like, don't worry. Yeah. about. I and can she- help her publish it when she's ready. Right. So she, but she's, but she's in the mindset of uh, this is how it has to be done. This mm-hmm. is the game that has to be played. And I'm like, no, you don't have to play. And I, and, and this is the one of the main reasons why I stood up was because I'm like, I'm not playing in this game anymore. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, this is a game. This is not life. This is not joy. This is not peace. This is not self-respect, right. this is not self-love, like none of it, none of, none of it. And I just, and that's what I want to promote in my own children. That's mm-hmm. what I want them to feel for themselves. And participating in that system to me is perpetuating the system. I don't want to. I don't want to be a part of it anymore. You know, yeah. um, or at least if I'm, you know, there's, there's this idea that maybe you can change it from within. Um,
0: it, it is. It is an interesting idea in theory. Um, but you know, I tell people all the time: the problem isn't that public schools are broken. The problem is that they're working exactly the way that they were designed to be. Like public schools were designed to be this system of force and control and manipulation and indoctrination for children. Um, and so, when we really start understanding the history behind this forced schooling movement. Um, which is relatively new. I mean, I, I was, I've been researching about the history of public school and it's really only about a hundred years old, the way we have modern schooling. Um, And, and so it is a relatively new concept, but it is interesting to see that you were able to observe firsthand your daughter experiencing this love and this passion for writing. And then to see that naturally like die and being killed off by by the, the structure and the force and, and you know, all of those kinds of elements that are such a huge part of the way that schools can function. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, do you think that it's possible to reform public education or what what do you think?
1: The only way that we can reform public education is if there needs to be a major transformation in the way that we think about education. There needs to be a major, and and that needs to be a major uh, transformation that takes takes place in the hearts and the minds of teachers, Mm -hmm. and in the hearts and the minds of parents more than anything, you know? The problem is, is that the way, the way things are structured right now, people tend to believe that this is how it's always been. And I'm happy that you bring up like the, that this is like the public education paradigm that we have is basically new, you know? I mean, think about the thousands of years that we've been alive here on this earth, walking this planet, right? Like the history of humanity. Were there public schools before? How did people come into their professions before? How did people, you know, have their food? How did people build their homes? Like, was it always like a construction company that came in? Was it always the supermarket down the street? Like. Why do we feel that the way that we live right now is the only way to live and the best way to live? I, I'm not understanding that when we've had thousands of years of history that show otherwise. Mm-hmm. So that that's 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 what I'm not understanding, and it's because we we have this blind idea that it needs to be set this way. And I think what people need to do is go back into their imaginations. Like we right. were given an imagination. For a reason. There's a reason why we dream. There's a reason why we dream because what we dream, we can bring into reality. So, what are people dreaming? You know, right. what, what is your dream? What is, and forget your hope, what is your dream? You know, that dream, those thoughts influence your heart, which then influence your actions. So, what are people dreaming? Yeah. Are they dreaming of, I mean, I don't like, sometimes people feel like the word slavery is too intense to describe the system, but it's are you, not.
0: it's not. It truly is. I mean, we think about they're literally trapped inside this building for six to eight, sometimes 10 hours a day. And they're being told what to do, when to eat, when to go to the bathroom, when you literally every moment of their life is planned out for them. And there is no freedom within those four walls. Um, and it's, it's important that parents and, and, our society as a whole can really start thinking outside of this educational box that we've tried to like squish ourselves into. And we can go back to those roots and really think about what are the opportunities for kids. If we were to truly give them educational freedom, like what could they create? What would they create in the world if they were educationally free? I agree with that
1: completely. The the educational freedom, you know the freedom of your imagination, the freedom of your heart, your, the freedom to create, right? Yeah. To, to create. Had my daughter yeah. continued, and I'm hopefully she will pick it up. I want her to pick it up again. Um, but the, you know, I could imagine the novels. I could imagine,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: her writing career. And I was like, this child, like, oh my god. And I, and I want, I want her to to find that again, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I'm. I, after seeing, unfortunately, after seeing her go down that way. You know, because of the public school system, I'm like, OK, I'm going to help her hopefully recapture all of that. But then I also need to help my youngest ones, too. You know, and that was something as a teacher in the classroom, I tried to give my students, you know, it's like knowing that this was the curriculum. Mm-hmm. handed it to me. How can I give them freedom within this? You know, like, just like, what are the choices? What are the options? You know, Mm -hmm. I I don't want to force this on you. Here are different ways that you can approach this, you know, because it doesn't have to be just one set way. So as many, as many times as I could, I tried to do that for my students. And so working, trying to break it a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but
0: it needs, it can't just be one person. It needs to be everyone. Yeah. All, all the players involved really need to start thinking and, and analyzing why are we doing what we're doing? Um, and especially I think when we look at the statistics of, of students, now I know that I've had students that were 12th graders that could barely read. Um, they could barely form a coherent sentence. I don't know if you had that experience at your school as well. Like, I mean, what, I what mean, are observing you're,
1: in terms of my classroom, um, students i had you know so i worked with esol students i worked with um you know like we classify them Mm -hmm. that's another thing i have a problem with but um worked my esol students on level honors and at one point i did ap but that was um at the long-term sub Mm -hmm. so you know obviously there's going to be a range of ability and skill but what i Yes, I noticed very similar things in many of my students, you know, who are not at the honors level. Like there's no reason, you know, why even at like the on level part of it that and I think and I blame a lot of that on the fact that they have been so controlled mm-hmm. that they don't like tell me what to do was always the thing. Tell me yeah. what to write tell me what to say. And I'm like, I've given you a framework. No, I need, like, I want you to tell me, is this the right thing to think? Well, what's your opinion? Right you know, What do you think? What do you feel? And then having that conversation, I had to like many times I had to just sit down with students and just have an open conversation, like the one that we're having right now to Mm -hmm. kind of inspire their own thoughts so that they can start writing and like, oh, you see what you said right there? You can write that down. I yeah. can write that down. Yes, let's write a <laughs> sentence down. You know, um, but they're so used to whatever the teacher tells me to do is what I have to do. Right. And that's not how it works. It's like, these are the questions. What do you think? Go from there, you know, yeah. do your research. You know, ask the why. We don't ask the why. We're afraid of the why, you mm-hmm. know, ask the why. Go look into that. Find your evidence, you know, and start building, start writing create but they're afraid they're afraid to create because that final product has to meet this standard right well
0: it is and it's hard to it's difficult to create it's much easier to to copy you know um and and that's i mean i can't tell you how many times in you know in english class they're like copy what get your evidence cite your evidence from the text we're just copying things from here and from there and piecing all these pieces together and they're not really being forced to to have original thoughts and have their own opinions being able to be expressed in you know in either verbally or in writing or any kind of way well there needs to be debate there needs to be
1: debate like you know yes. you know and there needs to be people need to ask questions how do you yeah. even get to a debate if you don't even know how to formulate questions right Uh, Right. that's really the the, and i think that's where people going back to you know this whole thing with the mass mandates and the vaccine mandates and the forced testing and all of that it's like well how do you like why did we get here yes yeah why why what what is our history what should i think about that where Mm -hmm. should i go if i studied my history what what is the pattern Why is that pattern in place? You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, these are all questions. People don't even know how to ask questions anymore. They don't even know how to ask. They're afraid to ask. Mm -hmm. Because what happens if you ask the wrong question? Mm -hmm. What are the, even the consequences of asking the wrong question? You know, people stay quiet instead of saying anything like I will. And you see it in the classroom. Well, what do you think? I don't know. What should I think? Well, what do you like? You have an idea, you have a mind, you have right. a soul, you know, and just even that just even the basics of it. So you can see even at like, even with children in our public school system, we, we it's magnified, obviously, in the adult world. Mm-hmm. That's why we are experiencing what we're experiencing. People are afraid to ask people are they don't even and forget being afraid. They don't even know how to put together a basic question that would lead to
0: more questions. Right. 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 Well, I mean, we've been taught so long that whoever's in the, in the authority is the person that, that knows or holds the truth, you know? And, um, that's kind of this myth I think that is perpetuated through public schooling, that the teacher's the authority and they're the ones that hold all this knowledge and wisdom and they're the expert. And we don't really view children as capable of being experts you know that they are capable of asking valid questions and and we're not you know if they were to question a teacher it would be disrespectful you know they'd say you're being disrespectful or rude and it's like no you you should be able to ask a question and not be perceived as being disrespectful or rude we should be able to have a dialogue we should be able to ask why are we doing this you know Um, I agree with that.
1: I think it's like that that myth of authority that you said, right? Going back to the state, you know, I think like the nature of the state and the nature of the public school system, which is part of the state, this belief Mm -hmm. in in authority. Look, I I will be honest with you. I've never been one to follow rules per se, uh, even as a kid, you know, (laughs) like I was like, teach me and and then I don't, then I can do it on my own, (laughs) you know, like, yeah. I've always been like that. Always been like that. And um, not because I wanted to be defiant or rebellious, you know, it's not because I, it's it's because I, I I believe in my own power and I believe in my own ability to reason. I believe in my own ability to create now. Yes, of course, like living in this world, I understand that there are constraints and such, but I really, and, and I don't think it's, it's, thinking of myself as grandiose, but I do believe that we're all equal in the sense that we all have the same amount of power. Mm -hmm. We all, we all are equal in that sense. So who are you to tell me what to do with my body? Who are Mm -hmm. you to tell me what it is I should think? Who are like, like, you're just a man, right? Or you're just a woman, just like me. So why can you control me? I can't that work? No, you (laughs) no, you can't. And if you try to use force against me to try to control me, whatever that force or coercion may be, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's, that's not gonna fly with me. Like, I'm not gonna go along with that. Now, if you come to me, and you reason with me, and you show me the evidence, you know, in, in an open and honest and transparent way that hasn't been manipulated, Okay, then we can move on and I can maybe go down that route. So I'm not a rebellious person. What I am is skeptical, skeptical of authority, of of authority. Right. You and and I I are.
0: Especially as a government teacher and a world history teacher, I think you have more reason than anyone to understand why we have a reason to be skeptical of authority, because you teach every day children about the atrocities that have been committed in the name of government, in the name of authority, It's so funny to me because like, I, you know, you think about the stages
1: of awakening, right? And I think. Being a government teacher, when that class was finally assigned to me, now I had studied government when I was at Georgetown, okay? And I had studied American history, and I had, I've always loved American history and always loved, you know, politics and international politics and government and all that stuff like, mm-hmm. I'm completely obsessed. Because, and that's what I majored in when I was at Georgetown, right? So I had to see, I, obviously, if you read and you study, you're like, wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. This country did this, <laughs> this country did that. And you're like, whoa, you know, um, I mean yeah. like the Trail of Tears, for example, or yeah. like the Civil War, you think about this, these things and you blame it on the, go- you You don't even blame it on government. When you're, when you're in it, you blame it on the country mm-hmm. as if the civilians are the ones who are inflicting this. Mm. And then you think about it. And then, and then, so I was aware but I didn't understand who was actually putting all of these systems in place until I taught government. Mm. And when I taught government, I was like, well, this should be easy. I know my constitution. <laughs> and then you start as, you know, because I research. I just I just don't teach whatever curriculum they tell me to teach, okay? Right. Here's your script. <laughs> Go follow it. I'm like, well, let's dig it. <laughs> You know, and in doing my own research, I'm like, holy smokes, they're really, and I and I had thought this before, and I was like, there's been an erosion of, of freedom over time. And I've talked about this with family and friends. Oh, you're making this up. That's not really how it is. But then you actually read the articles, and then you actually see it in the laws, and you're like, oh my God, literally, that's where it is. And so I remember teaching my students about the Fourth Amendment, you know, teaching about. I'm like, just basic stuff, like they can't go into your phone, you know, actually can, can the police actually go into your phone? Yes, they can. If you have the face ID, I think I told you about this, yep. you know, they can go into your phone if you have the face ID and it's not a violation of your privacy or your like it, no, they can totally That's do it. it. It's wild. And, it's out of, and I remember teaching my students this and my students were like, what? I mean, there were so many things that I uncovered over time as a, as a government teacher. Mm -hmm. they're getting into conversations with one of my really good friends out in Denver uh, about the nature of the state. I'm like, well, why, why is this happening? Why is that happening? And then I taught modern world history. And and of course we know about the atrocities, but then you see then you learn about the propaganda and Mm -hmm. how these atrocities are able to happen. Yeah. And you see it, you see the nature of the state and you go, Mm mm-hmm. This is about power. This is about force. This is about coercion. This is about control. Yes. And the idea that the small group
0: have the authority to tell us Mm -hmm. free human beings made in the image of God, (laughs) you know, that they can tell us how to live our lives.
1: And not even just how to live our lives, put us into these, strict lanes Mm in where so that now we only view life as well, at least in the cities. I know it's very different out in the country, you know, and I have a lot of friends who live out in the country who don't experience this type of life, Mm -hmm. but if you're in a suburb or if you're in a big city, like the the way we are, you know, it feels like life has to be, you know, you go to the supermarket, you, you know, go to these manic manicured parks or, you Mm -hmm. know, like it, this is how you play and this is how you shop. And this is this is all of these lanes, you know, yeah. um, I don't know. So I see, I see all of the, I see all of those control mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Everywhere, you know, yeah. maybe th- I don't I, I that's how I see it. And so when I walked into the school building, you know, looking to be a person of integrity, it was to free myself. Right. I, I don't, I don't know. You don't get to tell me that I have to put something over my face. You know, I'm a free sovereign human being mm-hmm. with these God-given rights Yeah, that you cannot take away. Mm-hmm. You know, When I walked into the school, I mean, I, I want to declare my freedom and with freedom yeah. comes responsibility, as they say,
0: yeah. you know,
1: and ready to take on that responsibility. Ready, very much so to take on that responsibility. It's a lot, but I would rather have the responsibility of freedom than the stress and the coercion, like the stress of being under coercion and under control. Like this is where I I wanna be on this side. This is where I wanna be. This Mm -hmm. is where I wanna live. This is where I am. And I'm gonna do everything I can to preserve being on this side.
0: What a powerful statement. That's beautiful. So I know that you and I are free Um, at this point. We're free from that abusive relationship. Um, What would you want to say to the other teachers and students that are still trapped in that system?
1: So the first step is to recover your imagination to recapture it, to find it again. So if you can imagine a world where you are free, what would that look like? How would you build it? Mm. What would would your place be? How would you contribute? Just to just take time and imagine that world. Mm. And through your imagination, you can build from there. There is no reason to have these constraints on us. We're not animal. We're not, we're not animals. We're not cattle, right? Like I imagine a horse with his, like, you know, I don't know what they're called, blinders or whatever. Like we're not, like we can can envision, Mm -hmm. you know, the power of the mind. So we cover that first, that would be the first step. What do you What do you envision? What do you see? What does your imagination present to you? What are your dreams? You know, and not necessarily your dreams of like, oh, I want a car and I want a house, but like those are materialistic things. Like, what is the world? What is the feeling that you want to capture in your life? And how are you going to build that? How are you going to create that? You know, they they there's they scare us into thinking that this is the only way. Mm -hmm. No. it's not the only way. So I mean, I, I and I think because I had already, I was already playing with these ideas, you know, that I I, I felt powerful enough to say, I'm going to do it. Like just yeah. break free. I'm going to do it. Um, but I I think even the imag- their imaginations have been stunted, you mm. know, and so. How do you how do you how do you recapture that, you know, so to recapture the imagination, recover your imagination, recover your dreams, like go back into that place when you were even a child playing like all the, the, you know, with your dolls and creating all these imaginary worlds. You know, I mean, it's it's go to that place and then build from there, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: take the steps to build from there. You know, it's it's not easy. I mean, you and I both know this is not easy. We're, we're, I, I'm a week behind you, I think, you know, so I don't know <laughs> how many weeks you have. I think I'm like I'm week three or four. Um, yeah. October 3rd will be a month.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've been in this. <laughs> we've been in this for a while. Um, and, you know, and. So
1: these teachers, I mean, how long, how how much longer are they going to play in this game? I don't want to risk my health.
0: Yeah. That's a great question. Um, One of the things that that really kind of got me thinking, you know, when you were talking about your imagination and imagining the world that you would want to create, that was one of the reasons why I actually decided to call my podcast the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, because I did just that, you know, I was thinking like, what kind of a world would I want to create? I want to create a world where there's peace and there's joy and there's freedom and not just for me, but for my children and for anyone else who happens to cross our path that they will, we will be able to share the peace that we have with others and, and you know, my my tagline is beginning right in our own hearts and homes. And I truly believe that that's where it begins. Like I cannot have peace. We cannot have peace in the world if we do not have peace within ourselves first and foremost. And then we're sharing that peace with those that are in our homes. And then from there, it just, it spreads and it multiplies and that that joy and that freedom and that integrity. um, And, and so I think like that's where people really need to start thinking, as you said, going back to to their own hearts and their own passions and their own dreams of what they want to create in the world and the actions that they're going to take that will be in integrity and consistent with that. Because I, I truly believe if more teachers and parents were willing to be brave like you and to stand up for freedom, and if they were to truly know and understand in their heart of hearts who they are as, as free, sovereign individuals, like this none of this would ha- be happening in the world. None of it.
1: We're, we're all very powerful. And, and we've been lied to. We've been lied to. We've been told that we're weak. Yeah. We've been told that, you know, we, we are not the masters of our own destiny. And I, I just, I, I, those are all lies. You know, those are all lies. Like, um, and so I, I, I do pray and I do hope that more and more teachers, you know, who are, And here's the thing. Sometimes you need that strong level of force for you to understand who you are. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes you need all of this craziness, drama, madness that the world is (laughs) experiencing for people to say, holy smokes, what you're doing is wrong. And actually, you know, because when when you start with one thing, it like kind of spirals into so many other places. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to see the coercion and the control in this setting, it starts to uncover more and more and more and more yes. you know um, so i just i just i do hope and i do pray that they that the mind has is set free that the mind is set free the heart is set free that that's 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 what i want for my coworkers that's what i want for my students that's what i want for my children that's what i want for myself for the minds and the hearts to be set free, to live in peace, like you said, to live in joy, to live in love. And when it starts from here, it does spread. It does, you know, there's it's amazing. Like when I when when I was in the classroom and I explained to my students that I was living in joy, love, peace, integrity, harmony, respect, self-respect, all of self-care, all of that. And that's why I wasn't going to put this on. Like the risk, I could feel it. You can feel the energy rise. Mm-hmm. And that's all I want. I, it's mm-hmm. what I want for everyone else. Imagine all of that energy rising, you know, and what world would be created if we all lived in that space. That's, that's beautiful. That's my, that's my dream.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode with me, Brenda, and just for sharing your heart and your story and, your passion with me and with the world. Um, I think you have given us so much to think about. And, um, and I really hope that I'll be able to have you on another day because I feel like there's so many more things that we could talk about. Um, I do want to let people know Brenda is in um, transition. You know, as she mentioned, she's leaving the public school system and she is working now to create something new to create that kind of world that she just talked about. And so um, sh- you do have a give, send, go, right? I do. I, okay. It's uh give, send, go. I think it's uh, freedom pod.
1: Yeah. 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 So, freedom
0: pod. Right. So Brenda's going to be creating, um, creating a new world, a new space um, where she's able to share freedom and, um, and love and light and peace with the people that cross her path. And so, um, if you would be willing to contribute to her and support her, whether that be through prayer or through through finances, I know that would be a real blessing for her. Um, so I will make sure that I include the link to her gifts and go in the, in the show notes, as well as in the description. Um, so you can feel free to support her in that way as she starts this new adventure, this new journey. Um, and Brenda, I'll make sure that I include other ways that people can connect with you. I don't know if you're on, you're on social media. I know you're on, Facebook. Are you right, yeah, on yeah. Instagram yeah. too? or
1: I am, but I'm not very active on Instagram. I need okay. to start. All, I need to be like more established.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I will make sure to share her Facebook and her Instagram with you in any other way that you can get in touch with Brenda. If you would like to just connect with her, she is an absolutely incredible human being. And I'm so honored to be able to call you my friend. Um, sorry. I'm it's been intense (laughs) we've been through a lot this last month and i cannot imagine going going through it without you so thank you thank you so very much for all that you do um for all that you do for me for all of the other teachers that are over almost 265 teachers now that are in our our group that has grown and, um, and for your daughters that are so, so fortunate to have a warrior mom like you, that I know that everything that you do is with the hope of creating the kind of world that you would want them to live in.
1: That's the only reason. I mean, you know what, besides standing in my own integrity, I felt I had no choice to do this for my children. I okay. had to show them. I had to show them. I had to. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Angela. Okay. I love you
0: <laughs> Love you too. All right. Um, so We will see you um, next week. As I mentioned, this is the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. So new episodes are released every Tuesday. Please feel free to subscribe and also share this episode with your friends and family so that we can get out a message of medical, religious, and educational freedom for ourselves and for our children and for the rest of the world. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next Tuesday.